bonus. Something extra that is good. B O N U S. Bonus. What is up? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Golden Peas. We've been talking about this for far too long. Started back in October, really, when I did the preliminary ballots. I got them out there. We're about to get into the broadcast. Uh, some of what you're going to see tonight is pre-recorded. I'm going to be rolling that footage. Myself, Gerald here with you, and my co-host, Brian Loisauce, will also be active in the chat all night long. I did prepare a script for this little intro part that I want to go through real quick. It's only going to be a minute or two, but I didn't want to forget to thank a couple people before I start the actual broadcast of the Golden Peace. Let me go through that. My heart's beating a little fast. I don't know why. <laughs> all you guys are my friends. We're all friends here. Let me get through this real quick. Film is an art form that has changed and enhanced my life. I often look to the storytellers and actors in Hollywood to express certain emotions and depth of feelings that I may not often get in my own routine life. For much of us, cinema is an escape from the real world. It is a glimpse into the otherworldly, or sometimes a picturesque retelling of some of our most beloved icons. I put on the Golden P Awards every year, honestly, because I love movies so much. There is no other feeling in the world than the emotion comedy, or plain old education that can, can be handed down from a well-crafted cinematic experience. I want to thank each and every person who filled out not only a preliminary ballot to come up with tonight's nominees, but also all of you who voted this year to ultimately choose these winners that you're going to see tonight. A very special thank you to a few people, especially Brian Loy, Dan Brennick, Justin Esquivel, my lovely and endlessly supportive wife, Jamie, Without this group of folks, this production would not be happening right now. I also want to thank the presenters that you will be seeing during our broadcast. And the fact that they gave their time to be a part of this event truly means the world to me. And a quick shout out as well to my friends Nicole Ackman and J.D. Duran for hosting my nomination special back in January, which got this whole thing started on YouTube. Now, we're going to start the broadcast after this quick tribute edit that some of you may have seen. I put together for the year in film. And a short intro, my co-host Brian Loisauce and I will be back to meet you on the other side, and we will go through the Golden Peas Movie Awards together. Some surprises tonight, some expected winners tonight, but just remember we are here celebrating the year in film, and I will continue to put this on as long as their audience is there for it. Please enjoy this year's Golden Peas, and I will see you on the flip side. Welcome to the 2023 Golden Peas Movie Awards. With appearances by Matt Neglia, Justin Esquivel, Emily Higgins, David Rosen, Brad Hargis. Imran Javed and Logan Morris featuring your hosts Gerald Morris and Brian Loisos hello 
ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 2023 Golden Peas Movie Awards. I am obviously thrilled that you tuned in, whether you're watching this live as it's being broadcast or whether you tuned in later. We are here to celebrate the year in film, the year of 2022 at the movies. And I do this every year. I did take a break last year because the podcast was on hiatus last year at this around this time. But every other year I've done the Golden Peas and often, I think this is our third or fourth year. I can't remember. I should have looked that up. But is it <laughs> you least, don't know? It's at least our third year, right, Brian? What is it? Uh, that sounds right, Gerald, but yeah. you'd be the authority. I know. I need to <laughs> fact check myself already in the intro. <laughs> but Brian Loisos is here, the god of podcasting himself. And like I said, I believe this is his third time joining me as my co-host for the Golden Peas. What's up, man? How are you? I'm dandy. Thank you for asking. And it's uh, such an honor uh, to, to be asked to co-host this prestigious event. I hold the Golden Peas in higher regard than the Academy <laughs> Awards. So <laughs> um, pleased to be wow. here. And uh, yeah, I, I'm excited. Well, that means a lot. <laughs> that means a lot. I don't know that we're quite on that level, but I will tell you something. When we And I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of the Golden Peas here at the top, just to let everybody know that might be hearing about this for the first time, as obviously I have a lot more listeners and fans since the last time you and I did this. But I will tell you something. So when I put out the ballot this year and everybody voted, we got like 330 uh, ballots returned back. And when we did it two years ago, it was only like 120. So Damn. Yeah, we did get a lot more ballots turned in this year. A lot more people, you know, went to the site this year to like look up the nominees and stuff. So back That's in 2000, awesome. yes, yeah, it's, it's great, man. It really means a lot to me, everybody that did vote and that looked up the, the golden peas and everything. It means a lot to me because a lot goes into it, uh, producing it and stuff pretty much by myself. And Loy Sauce is amazing to come in here and have somebody to talk to about it. I had Nicole and JD on when we announced nominations and they were great to be a part of it. And then we're going to have a lot of great presenters tonight too. They're going to give away uh, the awards in, in, in seven different categories. So back in 2016, when me and my ex-partner on the podcast, Andy, started the show, we did Golden Peas kind of like as a fun play on words. Uh, but it was similarly an award show where we just kind of recognize our favorite things of the year. It wasn't all movies. It was kind of all over the spectrum. And then after those first couple of years, it kind of started getting to where it was really movie focused. And that's when I brought Loy Sauce into the mix. And we did it in a podcast format the first couple of years, and this is the first time we're doing it as a podcast, but also as a YouTube video, as I've been trying to increase my YouTube presence as of late. And of course, everybody wants to see Loy Sauce on camera, so I can't, <laughs> I can't keep them that from them. You know what I, I mean? I, I don't know about that, but you have been killing the YouTube game lately. Um, I'm going to be seeing Creed 3 later tonight, and I watched your nice. review, and uh, yeah, I mean kudos to you on that i wish i had your drive and dedication and 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 just innate talent to be able to produce youtube content um thanks man i've been that's really so enjoying it yeah that's so sweet man i really appreciate it i do love creating and there's few things i love in the pop culture zeitgeist as much as i love film and movies you know Louis sauce i know you're really close to it as well previously with your days with epic film guys and you work in a movie house and i know that you're really a lover of cinema as well so we get together every year and we basically just honor the year in film. So I'll segue to that. I'll segue to kind of like our quote unquote report card for 2022 or what you want to say about the year in film. I'll let you go first. I mean, what were your general thoughts about this past year at the movies? Well, I'm often asked the question. I, I was 
uh, every year when I'm on the uh, the meanwhile at the podcast podcast um, mm-hmm. talking about you know my my favorite films of the year. Um, I'm always asked the question, was it a good year for film? And my response is, it's always a good year for film. Yep. Um, <laughs> you know? Yep. So, um, I, th- I mean, I will say this. Um, it, it, it It's very rare when a film, a, sp- a particular film comes along that completely just captures the zeitgeist, um, completely, you know, takes you by surprise. And um, the film I'm talking about in particular is not only like a defining film of the year, it's really a defining film for me in general. And that would be everything everywhere all at once. I don't mean to um, bury the lead here, but uh, absolutely my favorite film of the year. And it's sweeping in terms of the uh, smaller award shows, uh, SAG Awards, Golden Globes, et cetera. Um, (laughs) It's getting recognition and it's this weird um, scrappy little film that just is it mm-hmm. could it's just chugging along so it's the little movie that could and um so yeah. that that stands out for me this year but also we've got you know an unbelievable amount of um smaller horror films that are also oh, yeah. just completely crushing it dominating the market and um i think and i hope we're going to be seeing a lot more films like it um because studios have finally discovered that if you have um an idea and you execute it in a way that, you know, reaches an audience, um, you're going to see some big dividends. And so horror was definitely the champion this year, for sure. I agree. In fact, it's funny. We didn't talk about this up front, guys. Him and I didn't collaborate before I pressed record here. But I, you said the exact two things that I really wanted to focus on. <laughs> okay. in this we did not as part of the discussion. Notes. Yeah, we did not share notes. We did not consult That's... about this. So eye to eye, man. But, you know, one thing I'll just add about everything everywhere in particular is, and I've said this in previous like prediction videos I've done on my YouTube channel for the for the Oscars and stuff like that, is I feel like, you know, if there was one movie to represent the year in film, that's the, that year's movie. That's 2022's movie. So if there's a, you know, yearbook of film and you're going through the history of film and you get to 2022, whenever that happens, whenever that book comes out, there's going to be a snippet from this movie in there, I feel like. Uh, it really just, like you said, just captured, you know, not only just like movie lovers like you and I, but it was so important for different minorities and different people that were underrepresented in the film uh, in previous years. And I think that's such a big thing, too. And it's such a crazy, just outlandish story that's just freaking wild. And it came out in March of last year. It came out early in the year. It premiered at South by Southwest in March of 2022. So here we are a year later, and it's getting recognized across the board. The Golden Peas, it'll come up a lot tonight. I'm not sure of the outcome, but it will come up a lot tonight one way or the other. So I agree with you 100%. I feel like that's the movie of 2022. And then I also think it was just a just a flagship year for horror this year. I mean, just, oh, man. It was like every, every like couple weeks, there was like <laughs> not only a horror movie coming out, but like a really good horror movie. Like I was going to see these movies in the theater whenever I could. And I'm just like, man, that was fucking good that was another really good horror movie and it was just like one after the after the other i don't even know off the top of my head if i can even name a 2022 horror film that i did not like i mean i really don't know that i can do that right now so i agree with everything you said uh just such a great year for those kind of weird little niche films and i think horror and everything everywhere really jumped out to me too for sure for sure 
All right. Well, what we're going to do, we're going to get into the categories. Now, there's seven categories for the Golden Peas. You know, in previous years, there's been more and there may be more introduced as we go forward, depending on how the broadcast goes and my editing process and that whole thing. But, you know, we did a lot of fun things in the past, but I kept it somewhat basic and streamlined this year. So the seven categories that we're going to be giving away awards tonight, and I'm going to have a guest presenter for each one of these. We're going to be doing best animated film. We're going to do best action film, best comedy movie. Uh, we're going to do best male and female performance. Of course, best horror film. And then we will be ending the awards with the best movie of the year. And I want everyone to know that those 330 plus ballots that we got is where the results come from. It's 100% based on fan votes. And like I said, over 300 this year, which is great. It's almost triple from previous years. So that's the results. You guys voted for it. It's mostly like film Twitter, my YouTube subscribers, my podcast listeners, my Twitter followers. Those are the people that voted. And we are going to get what we get. Now, <laughs> as we and hopefully I'm hoping for good outcomes here. I hope you guys didn't let me down. So when we give away an award, Brian, me and you'll come back. We'll kind of react to who won and we'll. We'll have a discussion about each category as we go through here tonight. So first up, Brian, are you ready? I'm so ready to let those golden peas splash all over me. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I had to keep the name, man. I'm you chose peas. it. You chose the name. I mean, what am I going to do? Yeah, I had to keep it. All right, so let's get into <laughs> it. So we'll get things started with our first presenter of the night. Sent in a little video clip for us, and it is so cute. My son, Logan, who is nine years old, Wanted to be a part of the show. He actually tried to co-host with me, Brian. He was coming in on your territory. So I said, Back I don't know. Off. <laughs> yeah, you gotta check off, boss, man. I don't know. But he's going to be presenting the award for the best animated movie of the year. It's my son, Logan. Let's cut to his clip, and then me and Brian will be right back. Okay. Oh. Oh, I'm not supposed to. Oh, Okay. Hi, this is Gerald's son, Logan, and I'm here to present the award for the best animated movie of the year. So, this year, 2023, was a very, very good year of for animated movies. And, um, we had some very good stop motion. We had Guillermo de Toro's Pinocchio. We had Marcel the Shell with shoes on. I got some mail today. Yeah, this is Best Animated, and let's take a look at the nominees for Best Animated. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Marcel, the shell with shoes on. Turning red. Minions, the rise of Gru. Wendell and Wild 
obviously I have a script because I cannot remember anything, unfortunately. Hello, guys. Anyway, so, the winner is, I swear if I can't, Guillermo de Toro's Pinocchio! Woo! It's sad because I'm celebrating by myself in a room by myself. But yeah! Let's go! Guillermo de Toro's Pinocchio! Yeah, it's probably backwards, but yeah. Guillermo de Toro's Pinocchio! Woo! All right, well, there you go, Brian. My son said it. It must be true. I don't think he would troll us. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio winning best animated movie. Again, voted on by the fans. I know you cast a ballot too, Brian. What do you think of the winner? What do you think of the nominees? Did they get this right? Well, I voted for Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. So as far right. as I'm concerned, <laughs> uh -huh, that's, uh -huh. that's the correct choice. So, uh, I, I mean, um, joy and warmth just radiates from this film. And, um, del toro has always been fascinated with the frankenstein myth and he kind of applies that to the pinocchio story and it's a story that's been told so often before i don't know how many pinocchios we've seen whether it's the disney classic or the poly shore version or, <laughs> or what have just you this year just this i know year there were two which i don't really want to talk about the other one but <laughs> oh no and there was the zemeckis uh pinocchio yeah. as well so uh you know uh but this one reigns supreme um it, it it has like a like a political pertinence because it's about mm -hmm. um you know Mussolini's reign and so it kind of weirdly enough the story of Pinocchio is like thematically um intertwined with this story of fascism and um you know it, when I initially was like watching interviews and stuff before I'd seen the film Del Toro said it's a film about death. And I'm like, well, what could that mean? And then you watch mm. the movie and you're like, this makes complete, complete yeah. sense. So um, I think it's a masterwork. The stop motion animation is terrific. Um, and it's a story that uh, young kids and adults can enjoy. It's a little intense for younger kids, but, right. um, you know, there's there's nothing in it as terrifying as the donkey transformation scene in the original Disney film. That's true. That That's has true. the power to absolutely scar one for life. So, um, mm -hmm. but uh, just a delight. I mean, and in terms of it's a strong category, um, Turning Red, I loved Wendell and Wilde, another great stop motion film that really went under the radar. And I think that's because Netflix did not promote it as much as they did Pinocchio. Um, it's, it's a little weird. It's a little scrappy. There's like 50 movies in that one. Um, mm -hmm. but I'm a big fan of Henry Selleck and, uh, mm -hmm. Key and, Key and Peel, just seeing them reunited, even if it wasn't, um, them in live action, their voices just go together so well. Right. Um, Marcel the shell was a, was a surprise. I loved the YouTube shorts when they came out. And so the mm -hmm. feature is just as delightful. Um, and, and, and moving, it's a very like melancholic movie, surprisingly. Uh, right. and you just fall in love with this like little one inch shell with shoes on. And I think that's such a, um, that speaks to the power of the charm of the character and the charm of Jenny Slate. Um, sure. what, what the hell is minions, the rise of Gru doing in this category? <laughs> I don't know. I actually really enjoy that movie. And I tell you, it's on a loop in my house right now. Cause my, my three-year-old's in love with it. So we're watching it. It's on Netflix now. I don't know if you know. So we're watching it like over and over and over again. I don't so keep starting, tabs on Minions, where, to get where Minions crazy. is streaming. But I think I thought it was really good. My pick in this category, though, is Marcel the Shell, although I echo everything you said with Pinocchio, and I am 
definitely okay with it winning here, and it's going to sweep animated across the board this season, and it has been. I hope. You know, Guillermo, it, it brings a little, like, Del Toro darkness to it. You know, it's a little grim at times, but that brings that kind of adult aesthetic to it, too, where, like, we enjoyed as much as my, you know, like, Logan loved this movie. He's nine. So I think it has that classic story. You know, you mentioned the Disney iterations and stuff, and it just has that classic feel, but it still brings in that kind of, like, creepy the way it was shot and you know some of the themes in the film are definitely super heavy and deep and uh it's a very profound film and it's uh i mean the stop motion is just absolutely breathtaking i mean it's just so stellar and the direction is uncanny and you know i love i think you know marcel the shell just hit me personally at the right time when i saw it because it was shortly after my grandmother had passed and of course we have the storyline in the film that kind of mirrors that in a way so it was a very like personal movie to me and it really just hit me at the right time it was so emotional for me i've seen it once since then and that would be that was my vote when i cast my ballot for this category but i have no problem with pinocchio winning and i feel like that was easily probably the favorite in this category in every award show including the golden piece so first category down next category is coming up and we're going to cut away to another clip because we have another very special guest joining us Sent in a clip with the nominees and ultimately the winner here, Brad Hargis, my buddy from the Cinema Guys. He's also a patron of my show, and we've been in podcasting together for several years now, and he's just a great dude. And like I said, one of my best friends in podcasting. He's going to be announcing the winner for Best Comedy Movie. So let's watch Brad's clip, Loy Sauce, and then you and I will return to react to what ends up being the winner here. We'll be right back. Oh, hello, friends. Friends of the peas. The golden peas are underway. I really hope that Gerald and Loisos are treating you well during this broadcast of the world-famous Golden Pea Awards. But enough about you. Let's talk about me. So my name is Brad. I am the host, one of the hosts of the Cinema Guys podcast. I'm also a co-host of one of the greatest Apple TV Plus podcast ever made in Apple TV Plus, as well as, you know, a famous YouTuber and TikToker for Tubi Tuesday with Brad. But enough on that. Let's, we're here to talk movies. 2022 was a great year in movies. There were many, many great films that came out. It was a great year for horror, but unfortunately, I'm not here to talk about horror. I am here to talk about the best comedy film. We had quite a few this year. I mean, we had hijinks ensuing in a glass house. We had Dakota Johnson whisper acting her way through a film. We had a gay rom-com. We had, you know, Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage. And, you know, the crew of a ship getting seasick. And all kinds of crazy stuff happens there. So, without further ado, let's talk best comedy here are the nominees bros cha cha real smooth
Glass Onion, a Knives Out Mystery. Triangle of Sadness. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Those were some great nominees. So here it is, the envelope. Without further ado, the winner for best comedy is. I know who I want to win. Glass Onion, a Knives Out Mystery. Wouldn't have been my choice. My choice would have been Nick Cage playing Nick Cage. But you, the listeners, voted on this. This is what you wanted. So now I'm going to throw it back to Gerald and Loisaw so you can enjoy the rest of the Golden Peas. Thank you very much for having me on, Gerald. We'll see you later. All right. Thank you so much, Brad. Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Perhaps not a mystery. <laughs> that was going to win the category. But there's your best comedy film. What do you think of these nominees and how do you feel about that outcome? Um. Well, I mean, as you said, the outcome is no surprise. I mean, I think uh, by and large, Glass Onion blows the rest of the competition away. I do not see Cha-Cha real smooth, so I can't comment on that particular film. Oh, wow. Yeah. One of my favorite films of the year. Wow. Okay. Right on. Um, Yeah, I watched Bros in preparation for this podcast, and um, there were some laughs for sure. the uh the gay persecution dark ride gag had me howling i thought right, that was right. hilarious but um a lot of the humor seemed to seem to revolve around straight people are like this but gay people are like this like that was sure, a lot of the yeah. comedy and um i know it's a rom-com and i know that uh you know historically there have not been a wide berth of uh, gay rom-coms and especially uh, ones that are released by a major studio. Um, I think this would technically be the first, but it mm-hmm. falls back on the tropes that we've seen 5,000 yeah. times before and doing nothing to, to satirize them or, or attack them from a different angle. Instead, it was just like, okay, we get the third act misunderstanding, the montage in the rain, you know, we've seen it all before. Mm-hmm. So right, sure. a fine effort, but uh, not one of my favorites. Um, Triangle of Sadness, uh, there were there were quite a few films this year that tried to do or rather that handled the subject matter of, um, you know, wealth inequality. And um, Triangle of Sadness definitely had a point of view that got a little muddled as the movie went on. I think most would agree that the third act kind of sinks the entire ship of the movie, although I don't know. It's nominated for Best Picture and, um, you know, it it had its fans for sure. But I thought... um, you know, uh, it, was a, it was a little rocky for me. And then yeah. Unbearable Weight as well. Um, really, really had a good time with that one. Uh, Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal are like a really like great duo. I would actually love to see them do another film together. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, I wish the movie were a little bit more meta than it was because it hinted at going in directions that would make it almost like a Charlie Kaufman-esque movie like i i really wanted at one point because they're they're talking about like making a movie or writing a movie that 
that resembles the movie that we're currently watching. So I was expecting one of them to like pull out a script or something like sure. some, something like that, that would have like pushed it into just really wacky territory. And it never quite sure. went there for me. Um, sure. But I mean, it, it's cage playing cage and how, how much better can you get with that? But with glass onion, um, it's Ryan Johnson doing it again. It's he, he's doing his thing, um, his murder mystery kind of throwback, but completely refreshed in the modern era. Um, I'm currently watching Poker Face on Peacock with Natasha oh, Leone cool. that he he's the showrunner for. And that is such a delightful show. I actually uh, I might even say that I liked it better than Glass Onion um, currently oh, wow. you know, so far. But um, and that should speak to the strengths of that show. But yeah, um, it, it was just fun. Great cast. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't expect a lot of the twists and turns and it, it, it definitely takes the direction uh, halfway through that um, completely makes you rethink what you watched before. And so, yeah, really, really strong effort again from Ryan Johnson. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, so that would be my pick as well. What about you, Gerald? I, I agree with it winning here. It's not a surprise, like we said, when we kind of came back from Brad's clip, but you know, my favorite in my top 10 movies of the year was Cha-Cha Real Smooth. So none of the other ones here would make that top 10 list. So that was my vote. I just love Cooper Rafe's style of filmmaking. I love Dakota Johnson. Uh, it just has a really like kind of comforting warmth to it, but it's still kind of heartbreaking at the same time. And it does have yeah. its really hilarious moments with how his character is kind of fumbling through life and navigating relationships. And it's told in such a pure way that it just really spoke to me. Uh, it really took me back to like my early to mid twenties, kind of like post college years, and uh, he's done that with another movie called Shit House as well that I really like. So I love him as a filmmaker. So I'm a little biased, but that was one of my favorite movies of the year. It's definitely my favorite one in this category. But Glass Onion would be a very close runner up for me personally. And like I said, it was a no brainer that this was going to win. It got over fifty percent of the vote here. Um, people love this movie. I mean, the cast is stellar. Like you mentioned, Ryan Johnson's one of the best filmmakers working today. I would say, arguably. And I, you know, I mean, he, he made the last Jedi, which I love. So I'm a I, Johnson man. I wholeheartedly love that film. I think people me are going to come around on it um, in me, a few years time. Um, do you think this is another fumble for Netflix? They released this film in theaters for a week and only a week, I guess. So it would meet eligibility for the Oscars, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, they got a this, weird thing going over there. I don't know what the, I don't know. I really don't know how I feel about it because I'm still kind of mentally, at least somewhat, not completely, but still kind of mentally in the 2020 COVID kind of era in my mind where like you almost had to have stuff at home in order to see it or at least oh, totally. people did. But it was released in theaters. It wasn't yeah. a day and date. It wasn't in theaters and on Netflix. It was in theaters for a week and then a couple months until the Netflix premiere. I just don't know why they would do it that way. Just leave it in theaters for a little bit longer. I thought initially that's why they kept that gap in between um, theatrical and streaming. So they can yeah. extend the theatrical engagement if they wanted to, but they didn't right. end up doing that. So I don't know. They, I think yeah. they left money on the table. I agree. I agree. I think it's, I think they're reevaluating our buddy Dan from Netflix and school has been commenting on this as of late, but I think they're reevaluating, maybe doing like a 30 or a 60 day, like in theaters before it goes on streaming and, I think the 30 day kind of makes a little more sense. I don't know. What's the cutoff. I mean, you work in a movie theater, so it might not be the best person to ask, but if you were the GA, like what's the cutoff where like, if you heard, Oh, I'm not going to be able to see this at home for X number of days that you would be like, I have to go see it in the theater. I can't wait that long. Is it 30 or 60? Uh, I mean, 
I, I try to see everything, you know, the week it comes out. And if not the week, then the the one after. Like, I know. I that's why I'm yeah. saying you're not the best person to ask. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just thinking of, like, think Joe just Schmoe depends. sitting on his couch. and like I think it know. depends on the box office, you know, of the film and the word of mouth. Like, if you have a one-week env- engagement, there's no way you can get word of mouth to go to the theater to see it. So, um, right. and, and it, I think it just also adds to the confusion. Like, your average Joe Schmo doesn't know like can i go to the theater to see it can i you know can i watch it on netflix now when when can i watch it on netflix so i don't know i I think it just adds to the confusion and the cluttered nature of this release strategy um to do it the way that netflix did it so anyway i just was curious as to your thoughts on that yeah i agree with you 100 percent. it is a little confusing for sure because you know it played at a film festival here about a month before it came out to the general public and even then I was like, oh, it's not coming out till December. Like I didn't even realize that it was so far removed from when it was actually coming out. So it was a yeah. little confusing and it was probably Netflix's marketing, like you said. I don't, I don't know. But hopefully they figure that out over there because they do have some really good films. I mean, you know, they've had good ones in the past that have been up for Oscars and everything else. And I hope they figure it out as far as theatrical goes. But nonetheless, Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery won over my audience because they voted it as the best comedy so there we go. We're on to our next category. Now, Brian, this is a stacked category. I'm extremely interested to see what walks <laughs> away with this award. So we're going to throw it to my buddy Imran from Jock and Nerd. He's been on the show many, many times. I've been on his program a few times. He is one of the best dudes in podcasting. He's just such a great guy. He actually made my two-piece logo for me a few years ago just because he's just the man. So let's throw it to Imran and let's listen for the nominees and the winner in Best Action Movie. And then Brian and I will react. We'll be back in just a second. Hi, this is Imran from the Jock and Nerd podcast. And I'm here to present the award for best action movie of the year. You know, over on the Jock and Nerd, we love comic book movies, genre films and action films. And 2022 gave us tons to be geeked over. Everything from Top Gun Maverick to Avatar, to Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, The Batman, amazing stuff. But we also got stuff like Black Adam and Morbius. Turns out it was not Morbin time. I don't know when it's ever going to be Morbin time. And now, here are your nominees for Best Action Movie of the Year. The Northman. Top Gun Maverick. RRR. Pray. The Batman. Oh boy, 
boy, those are all amazing films. I can't wait to see who wins. Let's find out. And the winner is... This is my electric bill. The winner is RRR. I hope that works. Thank you, Imran, good friend of mine. And there you have it, RRR, the International Phenomenon winning Best Action Movie. It's also up later for Best Movie of the Year. I don't know, a lot of votes for action, though. What do you think, Lois Sauce? you a fan of this one? I'm thrilled by this news because this was my number two film of the year, and it's the Ooh. one I voted for. Um, I, I mean, Triple R was a was like an experience unlike any experience I've ever had at the movies. People were on their goddamn feet in the middle of the movie, cheering, and mm. um, you know, I feel like there there obviously there was a portion of the audience that were uh, fans of um, the filmmaker and fans of the stars. And other people who went in have had no idea, you know, they were just going in blind. So um, I, I think this is a movie that kind of broke through and reached an audience that would otherwise not, you know, engage with this particular material or, or this market of film. Um, and it kind of, it just kind of puts Hollywood to shame when you see a big, you know, action spectacle like this, that's just so, um, unabashedly itself and so over the top and then you see a movie like uh, i hate to i hate to you know uh throw a movie under the bus here but like something like thor love and thunder which is like it, it, <laughs> it looks like a star wars prequel it looks like attack of the clones like it, are, are we not past this you know if, you know this kind of film yet mm -hmm. um and then triple r comes along it's just such a breath of fresh air there's you know uh, a, a dude picking up a motorcycle and hitting another dude with it. And then like you get, you know, a, a, a musical number that involves suspenders and it's just thrilling. So anyway, um, I was, I was very pleased with triple R um, and it's win. Uh, as far as the other nominees, I mean, it's, as you said, stacked ca category. Um, the Batman hugely impressive. It came out earlier in the year. Um, and so maybe I softened a little bit on it as, as the year went on, but what an extraordinary achievement that was bringing the noir back to Batman and Robert mm -hmm. Pattinson killing it in the role, um, you know, as, as kind of a more goth interpretation of the character, love to see it. Um, so I can't wait for Matt Reed's next films in the trilogy, the Northman, Robert Eggers is a filmmaking talent that, um, you know, he just doesn't miss at least so far. Um, this was more straightforward than his other films. It was a kind of your meat and potatoes revenge film, but it was very satisfying um, and, uh, you know, action packed. And, you know, it, it was really brutal, re very intense. Um, Prey was a surprise. Uh, I'm, a I'm a fan of all of the Predator films to varying degrees, but um, uh, Prey is one of the best of the franchise, I think. Arguably, mm -hmm. it's, you know, the, aside from the original, the best sequel. And this, mm -hmm. it's more of a prequel, and it's really what uh, the Predator series should be doing, which is self-contained stories and different periods in time, you know, featuring a Predator. Um, so, yeah, love that. Mm -hmm. And uh, Top Gun Maverick. I mean, this also ended up on my top 10 of the year. Um, this is how you do 
a legacy sequel. Um, this very easily could have been a cash grab. Just, you know, when a Top Gun sequel was announced, I asked why, why are, why are we making a sequel to one of the most shallow movies <laughs> ever? <laughs> and here, here it comes along and it, and it, and it makes the original like meaningful just by, uh, just by proxy, just by being a sequel and really delving into the character of Maverick. Obviously, it's not the most complex character ever, but they give him, they give him real dimension, they give him real conflict, and um, the yeah. dogfighting sequences are just exhilarating. So, um, you know, it's military propaganda, but it's military propaganda with dramatic purpose, and I loved it. Sure. So, sure, um, that that was a close second for me. But Triple R, as far as the experience of watching it, was just absolutely unlike anything i've ever yeah i mean yeah the love for rr is real i mean you know it's coming back to the theaters for like a limited engagement and you know people love it i saw it on netflix we were talking about netflix earlier you know i mean it's three hours but it's or more than three hours but it's like exhilarating it's like never boring you know there's always something crazy happening or some really memorable musical number going on you know, it's funny because I don't like movies that go over three hours typically, and I don't like musicals typically, but I love Triple R. <laughs> like, I love this movie. It just really keeps the audience engaged, and it's like an event, you know, and I can only imagine well, seeing it in the theater like you said, too. Yeah, and it's a, you know, it's a musical insofar as that there's like a couple, you know, dance sequences in it. It's not... Right. Um, Bollywood films... What I love about them is they throw everything and the kitchen sink in their movie. So, yes, they're three hours. But they try to give you as much bang for your buck as possible. It's just packed to the brim with entertainment, action, romance, you know, comedy, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and even a couple dance numbers. So, I mean, it's great. I loved it. And we're, we're talking about Netflix again. The only way you can watch Triple R, aside from catching it in the theater, which is a rarity, is watching it on Netflix. And Netflix mm-hmm. has the film in a dubbed language only. You can't watch it in its original Telugu language. Ugh. And, um, and also in the wrong aspect ratio. And so oh. it's just frustrating. Like, yeah. you know, net, once again, I don't know if Netflix only had the rights to one of the dubs or if this is on Netflix entirely, but it's just unfortunate because I want to, you know, I want people to experience the film as it's intended to be experienced. And um, I'm hoping that some kind of physical release will, will come down the pike for triple R because uh, I want to be able to own the film again as it's intended so yeah me anyway, too. Yeah, just have to me throw too. that out there <laughs> absolutely my vote in this category was for prey that was also in my top 10 movies of the year i just was so taken by it and so surprised by it uh, i just thought like oh this is you know i remember being disappointed it didn't come out in the theater it was a hulu original yeah and that kind of like set me up kind of like pissed off to begin with. <laughs> and then I just, you know, it was like, eh, you know, there's no way it's going to be as good as Predator, or, you know, some of the other stuff I love in the franchise. And I don't know, man, this is toe to toe with the original for me. Like I absolutely wow. loved it. I love Amber Mid Thunder in it. I, just the different kind of like historical, I already, you already mentioned kind of the concept and what they could do with that going forward. I mean, you could drop the Predator into any timeline in history and it would make sense. And, it would be thrilling. Uh, so I love it. And that would be my vote. But I mean, Triple R is such a crowd pleaser. I mean, that's the best way to describe that movie. And it got 44% of the vote here for best action. So I'm curious to see what happens when we get around to best movie, yeah. which is also in the running for. But there you go. Triple R, RRR is the best action movie, according to my fans here at the Golden Peas. Brian, 
Yes. You know what? You know what's next, man. It is close to our hearts. <laughs> We're Best, horror guys. We are horror guys. Best horror movie. We're gonna throw it over to a mutual friend of ours that we both love very much, Justin. I don't love him Epic, that much. Well, a little bit. <laughs> from, from Epic Film Guys and Brain Stew and who knows what else he's doing over there, but he is the man, and he's gonna be giving us our nominees and winner in the category of best horror movie. Hey, Creeps, this is Justin from Epic Film Guys, and I'm here to present the award for Best Horror Movie of the Year. 2022 was a massive year for horror, one of the best in ages. The return of Ty West, Mia Goth killing everyone known to man, the creation of the Mega Slasher. Just enough gory goodness to make any horror fan salivate. Now, let's take a look at the nominees for Best Horror. <laughs> Smile. Scream. Barbarian Terrifier Two All right, guys. You ready for this? And the winner is... Ty West's X. Well, there you go. Ty West and X is named the best horror movie of the year. Loy sauce. I was looking at the results after we found out, and it is this is the closest race thus far, at least. It got 29% of the vote. Second place would have been Barbarian with 27% of the vote. So a very, very close victory here for X. What do you think, man? Are you satisfied with the nominees here? Or do you think this is the right outcome? I mean, I couldn't be more satisfied with the nominees. All right, okay. I mean, all of them are bangers to varying degrees. Um, you know, I, I think... Uh, I think X, so I, I must ask you, so why X and not Pearl? Well, I did the preliminary ballot. I didn't mention this okay. at the top. It's, it's not me. I did the preliminary no, ballot and X got, in other words, these five movies were the five that were most mentioned in the preliminary ballots. Right. So okay. Very Pearl, interesting. Pearl was on there though. It was like top 10, but it didn't make the top five. Yeah. Well, Pearl is more of like a character study or chamber piece x is x is very much a slasher throwback you know through and through um it's it's um it, it's really uh, like 
it starts out as one movie and it takes a direction and it just goes full Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, mm-hmm. And I think what Ty West is doing with these movies is something really, really special because he's creating a cinematic universe of sorts just from the ground up. He shot these movies simultaneously um, and, uh, y- you know, really developed them with Mia Goth and really uh, took thought into making like a horror icon. Let's make a horror icon. And so Pearl was born and, um, I, I I cheated a little bit. I, I put in my top 10 of the year, like X and Pearl kind of mm-hmm. in the same number because you can't really talk about one without the other. I guess you could, but um, I don't know why you would. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, you definitely can. I, I, you know, I have the take that, and maybe you share this take with me, but I think Mia Goth is uh much better in pearl in terms of like a performance and that's coming sure. up here in a little bit with female performance she's nominated for that in that movie but for movie i think x i don't know i feel like it's not as performance heavy like it doesn't rely on one person's existence to be successful it's an it's ensemble kinda, piece for sure yeah for sure yeah and i do love that i'm just more prone to that kind of like 70s backwoods texas chainsaw kind of early you know friday the 13th kind of vibes that we get in x and I don't know, I, I thought Pearl was, I, I love Pearl. Like they're like kid one and kid two for me, these two right. movies. And I'm sure, I'm sure Maxine is going to be phenomenal too. But it just like spoke to me more of the aesthetic in X. Okay. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Fair, totally fair. Um, yeah, so uh, I mean, I, I, as you said, it was close and I don't doubt it. Uh, I, the film that I um, chose just because, again, it, it surprised me so much was Barbarian. The, mm, okay. the, the structure of that movie is just insane. I, <laughs> I, I was really tickled by how uh, tight the screenplay was in terms of the structure. I mean, obviously, when you get down to actually what's happening, it's a little silly. Mm. Um, but that's the joy of the movie is the discovery of like, okay, what's going on here? And then when you get the answer, it's properly insane. So right, um, right. love that one. And Justin Long like completely runs away with the oh, film. So good, man. H- hilarious. Hilarious. Um, uh, coming out at the very beginning of the year was Scream or yeah. Scream 5 or Scream 2022 or however you want to say it. Five cream. Um, I, sure. Yeah, let's go with that. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought this was a really strong effort. I mean, it, it really um, it, it leaned a little bit too heavily into the first Scream for me in terms of callbacks. But I think it was necessary to do to introduce a new generation to Scream. And obviously it was successful enough that they're continuing the series. And really, you know, if the trailers are any indication really delving into the lore of the sequels, which is nice. So um, I, you know, I, I thought it was a, a really strong effort. Like I said, um, you know, the, the fate of certain characters left me a little sad, um, mm-hmm. but it, it wouldn't be a scream movie, you know, without some casualties. So um, sure. uh, yeah, really good slasher smile. I watched in preparation for this. Yeah. Interesting podcast. To see what you thought there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was solid. I, I thought, um, it kind of loses its nerve in the last like five minutes. I think it tried mm-hmm. to go for shock rather than thematic, you know, um, a, a thematic through line that it was trying to establish. And I'm fine with that. Like, it, you know, I, I understand that it's not necessarily a message movie. It's a movie about a curse. And so once sure. you, once you realize that, you know, the move, the, the taste goes down a little bit better, but it's, you know, the ending is pretty gnarly. And if you have, you know, struggles with mental health, it could read as very dark indeed. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, good jolts. 
um, lots of creepy imagery. And um, even though I, I feel like a lot of it was cribbed from other films that I have seen um, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, uh, again, like the story itself uh, was kind of pulling from a lot of different wells. Um, I thought the filmmaking was very strong. I, I would like to see this filmmaker go on uh, to, to make some, some um, different horror movies or different, yeah. different films in general. Yeah, so, Parker Finn. Yeah, I think it was really well shot too. Um, Terrifier two, I love it. What are your thoughts on that one? Uh, Terrifier two was just a lot of movie. I really respect it. <laughs> I really respect it. I, I I love. It's just it it feels like um, Damien Leone was um, only going to direct one film in his entire life, or like this was his last film, mm-hmm. and he just thought, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go right. hog wild i'm gonna put everything in this movie and you can tell it's this like two and a half hour epic it's gnarly as hell it's um it has like a uh, a lore to it that i don't quite understand but maybe in future sequels we'll get there um, i hope so yeah and just a badass final girl i mean lauren lavera um just oh, completely so giving us like a, a character that we can root for which is not something that the first terrifier as much as i you know respect it had i mean this has heart this has purpose and uh, it's not i mean it's it's a lot of torture and a lot of you know grew and grit and gore sure. um it's not for the faint of heart but it does it's going somewhere and i'm very intrigued indeed to see where where the terrifier franchise goes the fact that it's this tiny movie this crowdfunded movie that just obliterated it in theaters like i mean this is why we're going to start to see indie horror stuff playing in multiplexes the fact that you can see movies like skinamarink and the outwaters and just like weirdo you know experimental stuff like that no you know your thoughts on the outwaters but like the fact that it's playing (laughs) the fact that it's playing in theaters is no that's a win yeah no, that's a win for sure. And it's a win for indie horror and just for the genre in general. And it's going to put more eyeballs on the genre. So I got no problem with it, regardless of what I, my personal, you know, uh, holdups with certain projects might be. But Terrifier 2 was not one of them. I loved it. I thought the editing could have been a little tighter. I mean, it gets a little long winded at times in this kind of like, you know, balls to the wall slasher movie. But, but again, there's no there's no studio. Right. There's no studio telling him you got to cut that out. You know, you right. got to make it shorter. Right. Like it was released completely his vision completely uncut and that is just that doesn't happen that just doesn't happen (laughs) right and i love it for that reason so absolutely it's a very it's a very small gripe like i said it doesn't even really matter i love the movie and you know you and i actually talked with our buddy justin about barbarian you know i was kind of that movie was a roller coaster and so was kind of my enjoyment of it like i really loved it in certain parts and i was like what the hell is this at certain parts and then i really loved it by the end and it was just kind of all over the place for me but I would definitely rather have that movie exist than not exist. I loved it. Uh, Scream. I mean, uh, you know, I'm just a super fan of that franchise. So I love that it got mentioned here and having coming out so early in the year too is cool that it was still in everybody's mind. And we already talked about smile based on a short film, which is also really, really frightening. Uh, But I love that movie. And X was my vote. Uh, I love Ty West. I'm a, just a fanboy of his and, uh, I just love everything that he's done. I mean, I love how he, whatever movie he's making, I feel like he almost shoots the movie as if he was in that year. You know, I feel like this, I feel like he existed in 1979 and made this movie in 1979 and it just came out. Like that's kind of the feel you get with a lot of his stuff. 
And I love that he's able to kind of recreate that. He edits his own films, which is freaking as an editor. I'll tell you, that's crazy <laughs> that you have time to film it and then edit it too. Like he just really takes ownership of his, of his movies. And you know, that was one of my favorite films of the year period. And it was my vote for this category too. Honestly, like in hindsight, I probably should have gone with X in this category. Um, if it, if X were replaced with Pearl, I probably would have chose Pearl. Like I, I, I think um, that that movie is just more partial to my taste. I loved X. I don't get me wrong, but it, it's like as you said, it's like you know, Kid One and Kid Two. So um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there you go. That was your best horror movie of the year. Thanks, guys. X from Ty West, and we're on to some performances now. So instead of doing supporting and lead, I just grouped everybody together. I just said the top five dudes that get mentioned are going to be the nominees for best male. The top five women that get mentioned will be the best nominees for female. And that's what we did. First up is our friend Emily Higgins from the Tasteless Podcast. She is going to give us our nominees for best female performance and announce the winner. Brian, Mia Goth is in this category. I'm nervous. (laughs) (laughs) But we will be right back. Hi, this is Emily from Tasteless, and I'm here to present the award for Best Female Performance of the Year, my favorite category. I feel very honored to be presenting this. I can't wait to see who won because this film year has been phenomenal. I got back into the theaters like never before. Everything, everywhere, all at once in a theater. Michelle Yeoh can do no wrong. Go watch Police Story 3 for real. Tar, Kate Blanchett, and a fitted suit being mean, incredible. And the Golden Peas, they have horror, they have everything. They don't just go with the award mainstays. This is an award show for the people. I'm so excited to be honoring all of these incredible talents. Let's see who the nominees for Best Female Performance are. Mia Goth, Pearl. Please just tell me so maybe I can get better. I don't want to end up like mom or I want to be dancing up on the screen like the pretty girls in the pictures. Michelle Yao, everything, everywhere, all at once. I will always, always want to hear with you. Kate Blanchett, Tar. Time is is the essential piece of uh, interpretation. You cannot start without me. Claire Foy, Women Talking. We know that we are bruised and infected and pregnant and terrified. Amber Midthunder, Prey. There's something out there. I'm coming with you. You can't. I'm trying to protect you. Okay. And the winner is... <gasps> Michelle Yo. Everything, everywhere, all at once. This is... Oh, thank you. I'm accepting on behalf of Michelle. Thank you, Golden Peas. All right, so as if Michelle Yeoh was not getting enough awards this season, she also has the golden pea to put on her mantle now as the best female performance there from everything, everywhere, all at once. Thank you so much to my friend, 
Emily for giving us the nominees and the winner there. Brian, what do you think, man? I am, before you speak, I just want to tell you, I am like in love with Mia Goss' performance in Pearl. We've already kind of talked about it a little bit tonight. So I, that was my vote, and I think she had the best performance across the board, period. And, of course, she's not going to get nominated for any Academy Awards because it's horror. So I was hoping – I was holding out for a Golden P, but it didn't happen. It went to Michelle Yeoh, which is also a tremendous, just out-of-this-world, once-in-a-lifetime performance. What do you think about the outcome here, man? I mean, very well-deserved for Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. I mean, that performance – that – I mean, the, it seemed like the role – was just made for her. Like she just originally was written for Jackie Chan, but like, it just seemed like it was the role of a lifetime. Like she was in her element. She was able to do so much. She was, you know, uh, uh, able to do her, you know, Kung Fu. She was able to do more emotional, you know, work. She's able to do some comedy. So it's this just a very all encompassing performance. And she nailed it. She just nailed it. Um, and uh, James Hong gave a great speech at the SAG Awards. He's talking. He was talking about the underrepresentation of Asians in Hollywood. And Kiki Kwan, you know, his comeback story has been largely centered around the fact that he could not get work for years and years. So, um, you know, it's it, it's it's a shame, and I'm just thrilled that they're finally getting the recognition that Me they too. deserve. Um, and shout and- out to A24 too, by the way. I mean, not just this, but like Minari and like. I mean, they really are the farewell. Yeah, the farewell. Yeah, they really are putting a spotlight on that community for sure, and it's it's so overdue. So I'm, I'm I love it. Absolutely. So very well deserved. It feels like a like a career. I don't know, just kind of not a capper because she still has lots of um, great performances in her. I'm sure, but it just feels like um, you know a, a a real win for her. I'm so pleased. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my pick was Mia Goff for Pearl as well, uh, just because, again, um, the role re- requires so much of her. You know, it's it's such a camp performance, but there's real pathos and there's real tragedy uh, to this role as well and real humanity. And that monologue sequence where she just, you mm-hmm. know, whatever it is, 10 or 12 minute monologue where she just um, completely... Um, transfixes you to the screen and she's there nothing's happening but the camera is fixed on her sitting and talking and it's riveting so mm-hmm. tight rope of a performance but she absolutely nailed it amber mid thunder what a surprise um uh, again um prey just it completely uh, um not subverted my expectations it exceeded my expectations i i, I had you know i was nervous about it going in um, but one of the standout things about that movie was Amber mid thunder and her just kind yeah. of steely, you know, badassery <laughs> that I just love. Yeah. Um, and, and Kate Blanchett and tar, um, this is a performance too, that just, um, you know, there are layers to it because Kate Blanchett, you know, or Lydia tar, her character is introduced. She's this, you know, badass who takes no prisoners. And you're like, yes, you're completely on Lydia tar's side as she dominates the industry. And then as more and more, you know, revelations occur in the story, she uh, more layers are peeled back and she becomes almost like a completely different, like, right. Um, 
tragic character, a character character to be pitied, a character to be despised and be, right. and be disgusted by. So um, you're 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 never really sure what you think of Lydia Tarr, and that's exactly what the movie was trying to convey. And it all rests on Kate Blanchett's performance. So absolutely great yeah. stuff. Did not see women talking, so I can't comment on Claire Foy's performance, but I'm sure you can. So take it away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, she she was yeah she was the standout for me in Women Talking. I mean, she would be considered a supporting role in that movie. Um, you know, because there's so many women in that film that give equally amazing performances. There's not really one lead. They're all great. Jesse Buckley comes to mind. Rooney Mara. Frances McDormand, I mean, they're all just amazing. But for me, Claire Foy was a standout, and she did get the most mentions when I was doing the preliminary ballots. The movie had just come out at the time, and I think it was just fresh in everybody's mind. But I, I am at least glad to see that she ended up on the on a ballot or that Women Talking did, period, because, you know, it's been getting overlooked a lot the awards, yeah. this award season. I just haven't had a chance to see it. It's not really uh, yeah. been a convenient, be you know, rollout. I'd be interested to see what you what you think because there's definitely some interesting choices made from like a filmmaking perspective, like a technical perspective. So I'd be interested to see what you think. But the performance. I plan on watching are, it. Yeah, the performances are amazing. Um, looking at the results here, and you know, you don't always find out who like one, two, three were, but Michelle Yeoh did win with 36 percent of the vote, and then second place, which is a bit surprising, uh, was Amber Midthunder second and Kate Blanchett came in third for for tar so just a really good group I can't believe Mia Goth came in four you guys are breaking my heart um and probably Lloyd's too because it was one of our favorite performances of the year but there you go Michelle Yeoh continues her reign over this award season with the lowly golden pea she even gets that as best female performance so there you go Uh, all right so we're only down. We're down to two categories left. Next up, we're going to be looking at our best male performance. I have my buddy David Rosen presenting this one from Piecing It Together. He's also a musician out in Las Vegas, and he loves movies. Make sure you guys follow him on Twitter. By the way, all these presenters and their information will be down below for you to click on the links. But Dave is going to be giving us the nominees and the winner for best male performance. Dave, take it away, brother. Hey, I'm David from Piecing It Together, and I'm here to present the award for Best Male Performance of the Year. And 2022 was a really great year for movies. There's a really wide range of movies that were nominated, and we get all kinds of stuff from crowd-pleasing favorites to the kind of stuff you usually see nominated for Oscars to really weird out-there picks. So, some really interesting stuff. So, you know, with that said, let's take a look at the nominees for Best Male Performance. Austin Butler, Elvis. And nobody's gonna remember me. I never did anything lasting. I never made a classic film that I could be proud of. Ki Hee Kwan, Everything Everywhere All at Once. I know you're all fighting because you're scared and confused all day. I don't know what the heck is going on. Colin Farrell, the Banshees of Inishirin. Some things there's no moving on from. And I think that's a good thing. Daniel Kaluuya, Nope. I'm saying there's plenty of videos of flying online. I saw one the other day that wasn't on Oprah. I didn't say Oprah. You said Oprah. Love Oprah. 
Tom Cruise, Top Gun Maverick. Don't ask me to send someone else to die, please don't. Don't ask me to send him. Okay, and the winner is... Wait a minute. This is just a bunch of puzzle pieces. Oh, here we go. Kei Kwan from Everything Everywhere All at Once. All right, Brian, so there you have it. Uh, as Dave said there, Kihi Kwan from Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, joining his screen partner, Michelle Yeoh, as he is awarded the best male performance. I want to see what you think, but uh, what's interesting to me is he's the only quote-unquote supporting role in this category. The other four are leads in their respective films. What do you think, Kihi Kwan, also have been sweeping this award season and uh, no different here? Uh, I mean... He broke my heart. I mean, what can you say? Yeah. Like, I mean, this character is just so endearing. Um, and it really, I, I feel like it could not have been portrayed by anyone other than Kihi Kwan. He just has that um, sweetness to him. And um, we, of course, he's been in beloved movies before, um, playing beloved characters like Data and the Goonies and um, Short Round from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And... Um, you know, in, in the interim between those movies, you know, obviously he was in a few movies here and there and see no man and things like that, but you know, he could not get roles for the longest time. Not even, he couldn't no. get roles. He couldn't get auditions. And so think of all the great performances we were robbed of, you know, crazy man. and, and that's the thing, like the, the movie, just everything everywhere all at once just feels like a gift. It feels like a gift to the audience. It feels like a gift to these actors to be able to, you know, play and, and, and portray real, like, memorable characters and so um i don't know i'm just so pleased for him he seems so wholesome and seems so just he loves acting and yeah. um you can you can tell when he's being interviewed like um you know i kept paying the sag membership year after year because i just mm -hmm. held out hope and so mm -hmm. his comeback story is just so thrilling i mean it just i agree he, he and brendan fraser definitely have the the comeback stories of the season for sure um I agree. But of course, there are other, I mean, great performances here. Austin Butler, who feels like he was possessed by the ghost of Elvis Presley <laughs> in this performance. He's just a firecracker. Yeah, just, so good. He, I mean, a role that's just full of energy. Apparently, he went complete method, you know, ate mm -hmm. bowls of melted ice or drank bowls of melted ice cream to gain the weight. And he's still talking like Elvis, which good for him. I, You know, yeah. he, he completely um, just sank himself, himself into that character mm -hmm. for sure uh great movie too i think um mm -hmm. colin farrell uh colin farrell i mean really his colin farrell's eyebrows should also be nominated because he does an incredible eyebrow work in that movie um yeah <laughs> that's true just watch the movie and you'll know what i mean yeah but, i know um, i know it's true yeah but uh again um great performance uh it, it really feels like he nailed the melancholy of the character and kind of the the comedy um hard hard balancing act to pull off um but uh, definitely one of the year standouts for sure and the fact that colin farrell has been so prolific this year i mean he was penguin and the batman completely unrecognizable 
mm-hmm. um, and and also just playing this very um, endearing and very sad character in the Banshees of Inisherin too. So mm-hmm. um, after Yang was great, Thirteen Lives. I mean, the guy had oh a God. freaking year, dude. Definitely. Um, after Yang was definitely one of the uh, the underrated films, one of the underrated films of the year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Kaluuya for Nope. Uh, good performance. I, uh, in fact, I'm surprised to see this because when I left Nope, I, uh, seeing it in the theater, I was left wanting from his performance. It's very understated. Mm-hmm. It and is. I agree. Yeah. I've come around on it now. Uh, I've come around on it now because I think that's the character he he's meant to be portraying, and he was probably directed to act that act that way, and that makes mm-hmm. sense for the character and his, um, the way that he and uh, Kiki Palmer, who's a little bit more animated in her performance, um, you needed someone a little bit more subdued to kind of have exactly. that that energy. So, um, yeah, very good. Um, I loved Nope. I, I thought it was one of the best films of the year. Didn't quite make my top ten, but um, I just thought that was a fine tuned machine all around. And um, yeah, good performances mm-hmm. in that as well. And of course, Tom Cruise and Top Gun Maverick again, bringing depth to a character that I just uh, I watched the original Top Gun, and I just want to like. I just want to deck Maverick across the face. I, 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 he's so smarmy and he just has that stupid grin on his face the entire oh, movie. And man. I just, I, I'm yeah. not a fan of the original Top Gun, but in Top Gun Maverick, again, um, he just, I, I feel like he was able to bring a lot more to the character. Because um, mm-hmm. the character is, he's a good pilot and he does really well and he's the best. And that's his character. And so in Maverick, uh, the, the fact that he was able to have a little bit more, um, a little bit more depth, a little bit more conflict, especially with the Miles Teller character that brought so much to the movie. So, and of course, you know, he's an absolute madman and clearly has a death wish and, you know, insists on doing all of these (laughs) death defying stunts that, you know, I, I, I respect the hell out of him for it. Um, He's an insane person and that should not, you know, that's probably why he's listed here because he just goes the distance. Yeah. I mean, for our entertainment too, it's crazy. And for, yeah. you know, his, his personal love of the movies, I'm sure too, you know, and just yeah. that experience. I mean, the stuff that he's in almost always is like something you just definitely should see in the theater, whether it's this or mission impossible, or I mean, you know, the guy's insane. So, or even, uh, I mean, rock of ages, which is a horrible movie, but he's unbelievable <laughs> in that. Who, right. who, like who thought that he could sing like that? I don't know. It's just the, the man yeah. is, is an enigma for sure. It, he knows how to bring it, man. He knows how yeah. to bring it. Austin Butler was my vote. I mean, I'm a huge Elvis fan, so I'm a bit biased, but I thought he just kind of like what we already talked about. He just literally was Elvis for two hours. I mean, it was yeah. crazy. Um, and was so engrossed in the role and the history of the character. It came, became so close to the family. Uh, you know, Baz Luhrmann has a certain way of directing films that you either love it or you hate it because they're usually very loud, very in your face. But with that kind of aesthetic and the legacy of Elvis Presley, it really spoke to me. So I really dug it. You know, Kihi Kwan is kind of that feel good one on the list. And I, if Austin was going to lose, I'm glad it was to Kwan. I I think that's just such a good story. And just the injustice of him not being able to do what he loved for so many years for whatever the reasoning was or the multiple reasons were racism, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, that's probably number one on the list. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I'm glad that he's the winner here. Uh, Just so everyone knows the results, Colin Farrell came in second. So I think that was a quiet, introspective, beautiful performance from him. And the guy puts in every movie. He gives a great performance, I think. And when he gets together with Martin McDonough, it's even more special. 
and Gleason, really. I mean, the three of them together just really turn in amazing stuff. So, but Kihi Kwan kind of ran away with it here with 45% of the vote. So there you go. That's your best male performance. And I love it. I think it's great that he's been getting the recognition this year for this role and this movie, everything, everywhere, all at once. So that one is also nominated for best movie. That is the only category remaining here on the golden peas to be handed out and i got my buddy matt from next best picture to present the best picture for the golden peas the best movie of the year let's see what matt has to say and see what the winner is among these 10 nominees and then we will wrap up and give our reactions to that in just a minute hi everyone this is matt neglu of next best picture and i have the honor of announcing the final award of the evening best movie of 2022 2022 was quite an extraordinary year for cinema goers, whether it was going back to the movie theater to watch Avatar The Way of Water for a seventh time, or if you were staying at home and watching the latest films on streaming. Whatever the case might be, 2022 united us all with this art form that we all love so near and dear to our hearts. And now, here are the nominees for the best movie of 2022. The Batman. Elvis. Everything, everywhere, all at once. The Menu. No. Pray. R R R. Tar. Top Gun Maverick. Best movie of 2022 is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Congratulations. Well, it is everywhere. It is everything. It happened all at once. Not really because it came out in March of last year, but Everything Everywhere All at Once continues to win awards, including the Golden Peas. That's your best movie of the year. Thank you so much to Matt for announcing that for us and for that little blurb. What do you think, Brian? I know we've already kind of talked about this movie, but as you're looking at the nominees, some of the ones on here we actually have not talked about tonight because they only made it into this category. What do you think about this ten these 10 movies here and the result? Well, the result, I mean, as I said at the top of the show, like it's, it's the movie of the year for me. Um, it just, it seems like the movie of the year, just period. Like it just came out of nowhere and just mm-hmm. completely took everyone by surprise, blew everyone away. It's a smart screenplay. Um, it's, you know, it's universe spanning. It's, um, you know, bursting with just creativity and heart. And it's just a, a, a fantastic movie. And it feels like a cultural moment. Um, 
So for that reason, I'm thrilled that it won best movie. Yeah, um, same here. But there, there's a lot of, I mean, the, the category is um, uh, just full of other fantastic uh, fare. You have, of course, the Batman, which um, I, I loved. I wish it could have made my top 10. But again, it, I think it came out a little bit too early in the year for me. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, absolutely terrific. Uh, Elvis, which we briefly talked about. But I, I just thought that was a movie. Again, it, it was I'm not a big fan of Baz Luhrmann. Uh, Moulin Rouge is among my most hated movies, I think, of <laughs> all time. We've talked about that before, I know. <laughs> but Elvis, just, it's its this big, unwieldy, exhausting, gaudy thing. And I respect it. And I, mm-hmm. I, I was just completely taken by, like, the ride of just presenting the whole life story of Elvis in this way that's just like a roller coaster. It's thrilling. Um, right. And, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it is anchored by Austin Butler's performance, but the filmmaking, I think, should not be ignored. It's um, it's really, again, it, I feel like it's directed by an insane person. That's really <laughs> the only uh, the only way we get this result. It's like someone who's just a little bit unhinged. Sure. Um, and... Uh, I'm surprised to see, I'm actually very pleased to see the menu on here. This is a mm-hmm. movie that I, I missed in theaters. And I, a, a few people that I really respect, including Justin of the Epic Film Guys podcast, or mm-hmm. excuse me, Brain Stew now. Um, uh, obviously, I love the guy I was teasing earlier. Uh, he's my best friend. And um, <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I respect his opinions on film. And he was a, he was a little uh, lukewarm on the menu. And so oh, I, wow, I, okay. I skipped it in theaters. And then when I saw it, I was, I was, uh, very impressed. I feel like it's one of those movies that could have been extremely annoying. Judging mm-hmm. from the trailer, I was like, I, I feel like this is a little bit too broad and it's a little bit too like nudging the audience. And mm-hmm. when you see it in the actual film and you see the context, um, the satire is like pitch perfect. I don't know. Just mm-hmm. there's a lot of subtleties. There's a lot of really big comedic moments that pay off. And um, it's a little bit of a tighter kind of like narrative to like something like triangle of sadness you know they're they're in that same kind of subgenre, if you will like kind of lashing at the one percent the post parasite you know glut of films yeah. attacking the rich and and um which is fine i think you know if anyone deserves a big old target you know mm-hmm, hash, sure, yeah. hashtag eat the rich uh but um i i i felt the menu was just um uh, more satisfying than something like Triangle of Sadness because um, yeah, because, I agree with that. because it, it could have gone over the top. It approached the line and it didn't go, it didn't cross it. Like it, it could have turned very stupid and very um, hokey very quickly. And, and it never reached that point. It had respect for its audience and I admired it. Right. I agree. Um, nope. As I said, um, uh, really, Jordan Peele. I mean, I, I just, the man's talent astounds me. Um, and this was a different direction for him, not quite as horror as something like Get Out or Note, but it still had those elements. And it was basically a Jaws for the modern you know, generation. Mm-hmm. Um, so love that. Prey, a complete surprise. We talked about that. Triple R, um, just triumphant filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, really liked Tar, um, although my opinions of it are very much like the opinions I think you have for the main character it's a very mixed kind of you're, you're not sure whether to like throw your arms around it and effusively you know praise it or mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I wasn't really sure. Disgusted by it, kind of. Yeah, I wasn't really sure how I was supposed to feel. And the ending, I'm not going to give anything away for those who haven't seen it, but it feels like um, the punchline to a joke that wasn't particularly very funny to begin with. <laughs> sure, um, yeah. But it's a it's an interesting character study, and, um, and and well worth seeing um, if you're in it for the long haul. It's a it, it's a long film, um, but it definitely is one that will start a conversation. Um, the three yeah, of us, um, the three of us watched it here at home and we ended up talking about the movie for afterwards for about as long as the movie itself. So it really starts a conversation and it's, um, it's, it's smart filmmaking. And then of mm -hmm. course, Top Gun Maverick and X we've talked about at length. Um, yep. so re really, really strong home runs pretty much across the board. Yeah. I mean, everything everywhere got my vote in this category among these 10, you know, with my personal biases creeping in, the closest thing would have probably been X or Prey uh, for me personally. But I think everything everywhere is just too good. It's too important, really, in the, in the story of cinema. I mean, it's the movie of 2022, we already kind of said, and it just kind of shines a light on so many underrepresented demographics and you know, I was also a giant fan. In fact, it was my number one movie that year with Parasite. And I feel like this movie is kind of in the same boat in 2022 that Parasite was in 2019, I think it was, or 2018. So it just really is just a zeitgeist phenomenon, that movie. And I feel like it almost has to win best movie at everything that it's up for. And I'm so glad it did here as well. Just so everyone knows, these are the 10 movies that got the most mentions in the preliminary ballads. These are quote unquote, your top 10 movies. Uh, when I put those out in like mid-October and I was accepting those for about a month and a half. And these are the top 10 just missing it at number 11 would have been black Panther Wakanda forever. And number 12 would have been the Fablemans. Those were the two near misses that we're so close to making it into the final 10, but that's what we got. And everything everywhere all at once is your best movie of the year. That's it for the golden peas guys. Those are the seven categories we had this year. Me and Brian are just going to wrap up and have a quick discussion. Brian, is there any movie that we did not talk about tonight that you loved in 2022 that you would have liked to have seen gotten some love here at the golden peas? Um, well, your favorite film of the year was Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. I think we all know that. <laughs> wow. So, you you um, really liked that one, though, didn't you? Because I know Justin up, did. That ended up on my top 10 of the year. Yeah, um, I, I it just was think... underwhelming for me, but I'm weird. So I don't know. I guess no. I was just kind of. No, I think, um, I don't think you're weird. It, it's definitely a film that um, when I when I watched the trailer, I thought, oh, brother. Like it's going to be, it's just going to be one of those like falling in love with the magic of movies, but it's, yeah, right. I, I found the film like far less wistful than I was expecting. It's very dark and I admired that. And I um, also appreciated just the, of course, the filmmaking prowess uh, that Spielberg continues to show in this stage of his career. I mean, West Side Story was a film that flew right under the radar and it was wonderful. I just thought that was, that was terrific. Um, so I love this reflective stage of Spielberg. Um, the, the closing scene is absolute dynamite. Um, you know, uh, there's that adage that, you know, a film is only as good as its final scene and the final scene in the Fablemans is just terrific. Um, so okay. I, I loved that. I, I also, in my top 10, I included some smaller films that, you know, that I feel like wouldn't end up on other people's top tens. I mean, Phil Tippett's Mad God. Mm -hmm. uh, this the, again, not for every tastes. It's a stop motion 
animated basically it's like a fever dream it's just a, a yeah. series of nightmarish imagery but it's a feat of imagination and and, and um, interesting point i'll just want to add to what you said there that would have been the number six nominee the sixth one for animated it, it did get some mentions in the preliminary ballads but didn't quite make it but you know what beat it was minions <laughs> it's just strange the rise of grew but there you go i'm 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 highly disappointed in your listeners um for this no but um yeah mad god definitely i have to mention and also a film called strawberry mansion which i mm, have I to throw out it. there um it's this very kind of lo-fi low budget um very sweet and romantic um dreamlike fable and um it's it's one that um not very many people saw it didn't get a big release but if but it's worth seeking out strawberry mansion i just found it to be so so charming and uh creative and i love that of course that's not going to end up in any like end of year yeah i need to check know, it out though award award that. ceremony but in terms of like the year as a whole uh, i found those those films to be um well memorable for me that's great. Well, and looking at my top 10 of the year that we, we did that episode a couple months ago, and I had to kind of refresh my memory, but there are three movies in my top 10 that didn't come up across anything on the Golden Peace ballots, which was disappointing for me, because in fact, my top two movies of the year did not get any, any nominations, and we also haven't really mentioned them tonight, but it would have been in Damien Chazelle's Babylon. And didn't see it. Oh, you haven't seen that one yet? Oh, God, I wanted to know your thoughts so bad, because it's literally a split movie. Um, and then Bones and All was actually Didn't see my that number one, one movie. Okay. <laughs> that was my number one movie of the year. And then All Quiet on the Western Front, too, I loved. Um, so those three didn't get any nominations. I absolutely love them. They're in my top ten of the year. But, you know, Babylon is just an excessive fucking drug-fueled, like, just crazy ass. It's like if The Wolf of Wall Street was in 1920s Hollywood. I mean, that's the best way I can kind of like throw it at people. I mean, it's not that, but it's a very, that can kind of paint a picture for you. And it's a very loud movie in terms of like the colors and the vibrant nature. The score is one of the best scores I've heard in 20 years by Justin Hurwitz. Um, but it's just a very hypnotic, excessive film that I really took to. I loved it so, so much. Um, I love Brad Pitt. I love Margot Robbie. So it, it locked me in. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. And then Bones and All is like, you know, this road trip romance movie, um, but they're cannibals, you know. And uh, Taylor Russell, Timothy Chalamet, two of my favorite young actors in Hollywood right now. Um, Mark Rylance gives a tremendous supporting kind of creepy performance that's kind of lurking in the shadows quite literally in the movie. Um, but yeah, I love those two films. They're my top two movies of the year and they didn't get mentions at my own award show, I got to start, Brian, I think I need to start like infiltrating the ballots a little Stuffing bit. Stuffing the ballots. Yeah. Putting my biases on there. I don't know, but there you go, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed the 2023 golden peas. This, this was released as a podcast. If you're listening to it on the feed, but we decided to do something a little bit different this year and also release it as a YouTube video and get some of my friends to come in and present the awards. Brian, I, did you, I did you I appreciate that? Did you appreciate that? That way we don't have to do all the presenting and everything else. We can just kind of talk about the winners. Absolutely, it's great to bring the podcasting community into it. And um, yeah. you know, you said it, but I want to personally, you know, thank your your listeners and everyone who voted and um, and everyone who's listening now. Um, it means a lot, and I am honored to be a part of it. So. Absolutely. I'm going to keep calling on you every year, man, until you just tell me to get lost, but you'll be my uh, 
Gold Peace co-host for the foreseeable future. I appreciate that, especially because I don't have a podcast to my name. You know, at the moment, I, I don't I don't really um, I love films with every fiber of my being. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, as a career, I, you know, I work in programming and marketing films. Um, but, you know, I don't I don't write as much as I used to. I don't uh, I don't podcast as much as I used to. Uh, the other day, Justin asked me to record a cocaine bear review, and um, you know, I just got too much going on, you know, and I, I I feel badly, and I feel like I would love to make a triumphant return to the you know podcasting world one day. But the fact that you still believe in me enough, and the fact I that do. you still you know you know, I do. Well, bring thank me back you to for... it again. It means a lot. Yeah, well, thank you for taking the time because I know it's a lot, man, and thanks for doing it, and it means so much to me. And I just love talking movies with you, and you always bring great insight and. You know, there's often times too when, like, it was really friendly tonight. But there's often times too when you'll be like, "Nah, Gerald, you you should like that," or "Why do you like that?" <laughs> like, you'll no, kind of give it to me, not, well, not like you know, but you know what I mean. Way, like, it's a a back way. and forth, right? Sure. So I love hearing different perspectives for sure. I'm, so. I'm still mad. Uh, your listeners chose Minions: The Rise of Gru. I mean, that that's the that's one awesome. thing where I'm gonna draw the line in the sand. Yeah, and we got like... and and to know that Mad God <laughs> missed because of that too. Yeah, I had to throw that in there. Sorry about that. A little salt in the wound, perhaps. But. <laughs> so that was no, the 2023. I... Yeah, man, that was the 2023 Golden Peas. Uh, you guys are the best. Anyone that voted, anyone that shared the link to vote, anyone that uh, is watching this now, like Loy said, or or listening to it in the podcast, like you guys are awesome. It means so much, and you know, it's a lot for me to put on this every year. And I, I really appreciate anybody that tuned in or shared it, and hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Let us know what you think of the winners, what ended up winning. The comment section is down below. You know that. Or if you're on the podcast, leave a comment there too, whatever device you're listening on or whatever your service you're listening on. And I will definitely try to respond to as many of those as possible. So on behalf of Lois Sauce, thank you to everybody who tuned in. It means the world. And we will be back next year. I don't know if I'm going to do a video next year or if I'm just going to keep it audio, Brian, but I don't know. One way or another, I'll make sure I tell everyone what the best movies of 2023 were as well. So we'll, we'll be back next year to do that. Brian, once again, man, thanks so much for joining me for this. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right, guys, that's the 2023 Golden Peace signing off. Thank you guys so much. Make sure you subscribe and do all that stuff. Look down below for the comment section for all of our guest presenters. Thank you so much to all of them as well. And all of their information will be below so you can follow their shows also. All right, guys, we will see you next year.